I'm going to use this mic to start off with. How many of you are hot? (laughs) Gentlemen, it is okay. Uh, Ladies, you can do it too. Just be careful what you take off. Um, It's quite all right. We don't want to experience a PPO. That's a pastor pass out. (laughs) It is indeed good to be in the house of God today, even though it's hot. Um, And I want you to know that as we seek to advance God's kingdom, and as we seek to grow together, there are things that we have to examine amongst ourselves. Checkups along the way. Listen, every single person needs a checkup, a spiritual checkup from time to time. Every single person needs to be evaluated from time to time. Sometimes we are our best critics. Other times uh, we need constructive criticism from other people to help us become better followers of Jesus. As a pastor of the church, uh, as I oversee all the families here, uh, there are things that I want you to be able, tools that I want you to be able to have for your life to be able to examine how well you are doing in your fellowship of Jesus. Uh, because what happens for a lot of us is we get caught up in the moment, uh, we get caught up in the exhilaration of following Jesus, and we start believing that, well, you know, I've, I've gone as far as I can go. Uh, and the truth of the matter is that we will never arrive. And at the point, if you get to the point where in your spiritual life that either you or me or anybody else thinks to ourselves, we're doing pretty good and we can't grow, you know, we can't get any better at this, There's a serious problem in one, our ego, and in two, uh, in our sphere of influence, in our understanding of where we are, whose we are, and how we need to be striving to be better every day. Uh, As I've said many times, and I've said this to the staff, that you're never going to do an event that could not be done better. We'll never have a worship service where we couldn't have done something to make it a better Opportunity, And that is the way we need to view our own walk with Christ. There's always a way that we could be better. There's always a way that we could make decisions or make some choices to be better. And overall, uh, you know, because I, you know, I have to pastor everybody, and there's some fine-tuning. I could speak to this group or to that group or to this person or that individual. But collectively in our culture, collectively in the church universal... The greatest need that I see, the greatest deficiency that I see in Christianity is encouragement. It's one of the major things. I mean, you know, it's so easy, it's so easy to be negative. It's so easy to be bombarded by all the negative things that we have to do. For instance, um, I'll give you an example. When my wife and I were sitting, uh, and you know, some of you, I don't think I've shared this story, but when, uh, when I first knew, when I saw her, I knew that she was the one. Uh, and I had a, I was a friend of mine was the registrar at the university, which they were in charge of scheduling classes. So I made sure that my classes aligned to hers, okay, on purpose. Uh, because I wanted to get to know her a little bit better, and I thought she'd probably sit at the front of the class, and you know I would sit at the front of the class, and we just kind of you know collectively maybe we do study, you know, study together that kind of thing, and uh, which that's all we would do is study. And so, uh, 
you know, I thought that'd be a good idea. And so we began, we took marriage and family together. Okay, it was great. And we had to make a list. And one of the things he, the professor had us do is to make a list of, you know, what we were seeking in a person. And so, you know, I had a list. And to this day, uh, I still have that list. It's probably in a box somewhere in the basement. She has that list too, somewhere in a journal somewhere. I'm sure we could find it. You give us six months, we could find it. But we kept those lists. And it was amazing as we started dating how much our lists aligned. Now, for those who were dating in the class, which I wasn't dating anybody in that class, he also had us to list the positive things about the people that we were dating or that we were seeing, and then to list the points of concern, the things that you want to change. And he didn't give us any, he didn't give us a kind of a prelude of what was going to happen, but what I remember in that class is, one of the points we want to hone in on is, in marriage and family, in life, in job, in whatever you do, it is so much easier to draw up a list of what's negative about somebody or what the changes you would want to make for somebody than to list the positive. And he gave this kind of conclusion. He said, it's much easier, much easier to bring about discouragement than it is to be an encourager. We have to be encouragers. And if there's anything that would change the church, and he put it in the dynamic of the church in this marriage and family, if there's anything that would change the church, if there's anything that would change the American family, family, if there's anything that would change and make the American home a better place, it would be to capitalize on encouragement rather than always finding fault with this or that or this or that. And you know, there's a reason he would go on to say in later classes and later sessions, there's a reason for so much negativity because our culture breeds it. Now, you and I could get on a flight this afternoon, and we could fly uh, to Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas, where Joel Olstein is the pastor. And over the past 10 years or whatnot, uh, many criticism been offered from, from ev- evangelicals and Southern Baptists and whatnot. Uh, and I'm not here to throw against another pastor of any denomination for that matter. But, but what I'm going to share with you is this. There is a reason that Lakewood Church has grown exponentially since he took over that church from his father. And the number one reason that I see, it's not because of doctrine, it's not because of theology, it is because each and every Sunday, what is offered from the pulpit is encouragement. Now you and I can argue about whether we've watered down theology and we've you know, thrown the baby out with the bathwater and offered more encouragement than we can sound doctrine. I'm not here to debate that. What I'm here to tell you is that encouragement is contagious because encouragement is what people need. It's what people want. They thrive on it. So my role, just to let you know, here at First Baptist Church, it's not to diminish doctrine or diminish truth or to diminish the reality of what is, but it is in every single way possible to be an encouragement even in the midst of discouraging events, discouragement wherever it might be. I want to be the number one encourager of staff, the number one encourager of ministry, the number one encourager of people. There was somebody within the last two weeks that said to me, it's been a while since I've been here. Everybody else made me feel guilty about it. He said, are you going to make me feel guilty about not being here? And I told this individual, absolutely not. I just want to be encouragement to people. 
I want people to know that when they have a hard day or they have a, a bad, they may not have sat down with me to have lunch. They may not have intertwined with me more than a passing hello. But I want every single person in this community to know that if they need someone that they need to call, they need someone to talk to, they want somebody to be an encouragement to them. I want to be that person. I want First Baptist Church to be that sort of church and encouragement to people's lives. Because when I look out in our community and when I look out in just, just in Elizabethan, just if we take Elizabethan, just take F Street alone or K Street, my street alone, just those two streets, Elk Avenue, whatnot. The people that run the businesses, the people that live in these homes, the people that live in this community, we need encouragement. Every day we get on Facebook, good Lord. Whew. Every day we turn on the news, have mercy. I want you to be able to come on a Wednesday evening and fellowship at a meal. I want you to be able to have your event, your social, your party, whatever it is that you want to have. I want you to be able to have it at First Baptist Church. I want you to be able to come to this place for worship and be encouraged to lean into the gospel. Be encouraged to turn your life over to Christ. Be encouraged to care about your family. Be encouraged to care about your spouse. Be encouraged to be the leader that God has wanted you to be. Be an encouragement for you to be the follower of Jesus that God wants you to be. Because ultimately, a life that is well-lived is a life, listen, is a life that has experienced encouragement. A life that's well-lived is one in which people have invested in it. A life that's well-lived is one that has experienced the change of Jesus Christ. That is that we have had a moment in our lives where Christ has come in. Not just that we've been attending church, not just that we've heard about the gospel, not just that we've heard about Jesus, not that just we put up a Christmas tree and give presents at the holiday, not just that we die, Christ, uh, die Easter eggs and, and hide them at Easter, but that we have experienced the power of the resurrection in our lives. That we can say that there was a moment in time in which Christ has entered my life. There is a before Christ and there is an after Christ. And as a result of the experience of after Christ, our lives have taken on a new role. And if there's anything that we need to be able to tangibly see in our lives who are pursuers of Jesus, it is a season of being encouraging. We cannot follow God without being changed by His Son, Jesus Christ. We cannot continue to live in depravity. We cannot continue to live in the clouds of discouragement. You know, the amazing thing is, and, and this is what I would challenge you, how many of you have ever taken a flight somewhere? You know, it's amazing. I could go to Tri-Cities today, and it's kind of partly cloudy outside, so to speak. I could get on an airplane, get out there on the tarmac, look out, and it looks cloudy, it looks dismal. There's something that happens when you take to flight. When you take flight, when you rise above the clouds, you can see the sun for what it is. There, listen, there can be storms down below. But when you are able to fly and soar above the clouds... It's like another world. That is what the Christian life is. 
You and I have the ability to soar above the storms. You and I have the ability to always have a sunny day, even in the midst of the most trying and discouraging circumstances. I want to thank all of you who, uh, for some of you knew this week, my aunt passed away last Sunday. Uh, She, frankly, literally dropped dead during halftime. I don't know if it was Lady Gaga's uh, presentation or what, uh, but she, I mean, I'm serious. She, she passed away at halftime. And I mean, it's, it's not funny, but I'm overjoyed uh, because here's the thing. She's not suffering. She's dancing with Jesus. And now the opportunity, the greatest opportunity of my life as a minister is to be able to minister to my own family. It was an amazing funeral. Uh, God did so many great things But one of the things that uh, I was left with is what an encouragement people were. And we should not just be encouragers during a funeral. I want to tell you, if you want to send me flowers, send me flowers now. Don't wait until I'm dead, okay? I don't get to enjoy the roses, okay? I mean, we we have a habit of, you know, when, when people die... They stretch them out in a box, and we'll go by. I mean, I want you to think about how just morbid this is. Oh, how beautiful she is. She's dead. That's not beautiful. Now, you've all done it. Oh, well, she looks exactly like she was. She's so pretty, or he is so handsome. Man, they did an amazing job. Let me tell you something. Christ is who's done the amazing job. Because that body is but a shell. For people that know Jesus, they are living, breathing encouragements of Christ in the midst of the kingdom of God. And and here's the thing. You and I need to be an encouragement at all times. I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul writes about here in imitating Christ, in emulating Christ, in embodying Jesus Christ. It is that we experience the change because there's a radical difference between the world's way and, and, and the way that we should live and the way we should interact with human creatures. Last night, as I was driving back from Charlotte, I had a demonic moment, demonic several 20 miles. Um, and I was on the road uh, outside near Cloudland High School where the speed limit goes to 55 miles an hour. When the speed limit goes 55 miles an hour, you need to be going 55 miles an hour. And there's this Roto-Rooter truck that's going, listen, not 45, not 40, 35 miles an hour. So I've got my family in the car. I'm like, this guy needs to go. Not to mention that my, my car had kicked into four-wheel drive. I couldn't get it back into two-wheel drive. And so, I'm, you know, I'm flooring it. You know, we're going. I don't have any up. And Tabby's like, why don't you pass him? I'm like, I can't pass him. I have to pass like five cars to get in front of him. Followed him all the way down, all the way down to the dual lane highway. And finally I was able to pass him by. I was such an encouragement to Roto-Rooter. You know, you know what I hate about sermons? I'll tell you what I hate about sermons. I hate about sermons that when I preach them, it's like I'm preaching in a mirror. Like every week I fail at what I'm supposed to be doing. And I, you know, I, I challenge you to do much better than me. 
And you all think, oh, he's, so, he's such a good guy. He's such a holy person. I'm telling you what, every week I preach and I'm like, dear Lord, have mercy. God, could you just be an encouragement to me? It's so discouraging to preach to people the very thing that I suffer with. But here's what I encourage you. Every single one of us has those moments where we just simply mess up. I didn't plan to get mad at Roto-Rooter. I didn't. But I was aggravated. I wanted to get home. And he was messing with my phone that says I'm going to arrive at 740 and I want to get there at 738. So I got there at 752. (gasps) My blood pressure was up. Life well lived should be an encouragement to other people. And the telltale sign of our faith is not what we say. It's how we live. Look at verses 2 and 3. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind. Look at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Oh, why is that there? It's there. Because by living that out, you and I get a glimpse at what it was like to be Jesus. What it must have been like to put yourself on hold, to empty yourself, to become obedient to God to the point of death and to take upon you something that you didn't deserve. And see, the beautiful thing is it's so hot in here. Every single one of you has the opportunity to serve somebody today. You should be fanning your neighbor. You should. It takes nothing to fan your neighbor. It takes nothing. You and I need to serve, not because of what we're going to gain, but because of what we've already gained. We don't serve to impress God. We serve because we have been most impressed by God. We need to make sure that we get our actions in the right order. We don't act in order to gain. We act because of what we've already been given. God is an amazing God. When I ran uh, for a a student body election when I was in college, uh, I was running against a very popular individual. I wasn't really a popular individual in college because I was focused on my studies, but they didn't know what they were doing in their student government, and it just drove me bananas. So I decided, you know, I'm going to put my name in, and I ran. And so, and this is what, this is what they would tell you won this this election for me. It was a landslide. Bam! (laughs) Killed him. Um, I got into the room, into the arena to speak, and I simply walked up to the podium and I said this. I said, I want everybody to stand, okay? So everybody stand up. Y'all go ahead and stand up, okay? Go ahead and stand up. You need to stand up. Jump. Get some air flowing. Okay. Now, sit down. Go ahead and sit down. Stand up again. We got to do it in threes. Sit down. And one more time. And now sit down. One thing is, why did you follow that lead, is what I asked them. But the main thing is this. In the last 30 seconds, 
under my leadership, we have proceeded to dust off every seat in this room. Can you imagine what we could do in a year's time if you allow me to lead you? Bam. One. Listen. It takes nothing for all of us collectively to stand up and dust these seats off. 30 seconds. If one person had to do it, it could take hours. Do you see why God wants you on His team? Do you see why God can accomplish so much more when we lean in, when we put other people's needs above our own, when we begin to live in accordance to what Christ has called us to, we can, listen, no storm, no cloud will be great, too great for us. We will never be overcome by them because with God we're soaring far above the clouds. You and I need to be an encouragement to other people. You and I need to seek other people's benefit more than we seek our own. John F. Kennedy said it best when he was president, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. I would take that quote and say, ask not what the local church can do for you, but ask what you can do for the Lord Jesus Christ in the local church. Because together we can do far more than what we could have done alone. And so many of us have a testimony of how our lives have been enriched by First Baptist Church in this time and in this place. But how we live our lives is far more important, or at least is as important, I'd say more important, than what we say. We do nothing out of selfish ambition Rather, we value other people above ourselves. Let me give you an example. With my spouse last night, this is one, I told you a bad story that I failed. This is one where I got it right. Um, She made the mistake of eating barbecue yesterday afternoon before we came up Jonas Ridge, okay? Not a good thing. Because I take those curves at like 60 miles an hour because I want to get home soon. And so she was sick. Sick all the way here. She gets home. She goes to bed. Doesn't feel good. I put the kids in bed. She comes in twice. I'm watching television, and uh, she says, uh, uh, I wonder if I should take some Tums. Problem is, the Tums are down in Margie's apartment, all the way down the stairs. You know, I said, honey, would you like me to go get you some Tums? Oh, I don't know. I said, you want me to go get you Tums? Yeah. <laughs> so I got up off of my duff, walked down the stairs, went into the apartment, went to the medicine chest, Opened the medicine chest, got three times, and went back upstairs and laid them down. It takes nothing to be an encouragement. It does take a willingness to do. We need to live our lives as if Christ is here right now. We don't look after our own interests, but we are committed to looking after the interests of other people. Because being a Christian is about uh, not only following Jesus, it is about following Jesus, but as we follow Jesus, it is about being a servant. A servant. Some people look at service, that word service, and the way they would spell it is S-E-R-V-E-U-S, serve us. Service means that we are serving, we're not being served. 
That is why I've said to you time and time again, I want, you know, I, there's nothing I'm not willing to do for you. I will serve you in any capacity that I can. I'm willing to do anything and all things so that I might be an encouragement, but above all, that God would be glorified and His church would prosper because this is not my church and it's not your church. The greatest thing, listen leaders, if you're here in this room today, the greatest thing that you and I can do as leaders is to make sure that this church is His. It's His. He bought it. He died for it. It's not ours. So hands off. Let Him lead. Our role is to encourage each other to put in a framework in which we can thrive as we advance His kingdom, as we grow in Him, as we discover our gifts, as we connect people to Christ. Every single person in this room needs to be an encourager. Because here is the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is, you and I cannot reach everyone. But everyone can reach someone. You and I can't reach everyone. But everyone in this room can reach someone. Be an encouragement. Empty yourself of your own ambition, your own desire. Not looking to your own interests. Each of you to the interests of others. Put others before Yourself. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And there are many, many churches, ladies and gentlemen, there are many, many churches today that are doctrinally sound. They know everything there's to know about Jesus as the Son of God. They know everything there's to know about Mary, His mother. They know everything. They can tell you everything about grace. They can tell you everything about the atonement. They can tell you everything about all those things and all those central teachings. And I want to submit to you that those are not irrelevant. Those things are important. But those things are not the main thing. Doctrine is not the main thing. Theological security is not the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. And when you put Christ first, when you make Him the center of your life, when you lean in and you become an encouragement to other people, when you are interested in serving other people as a result of you accepting Jesus Christ into your life, you're going to have right doctrine. You're going to have right doctrine. And if there's one doctrine, ladies and gentlemen, as I lead us, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, if there's one doctrine as I lead us, that if we err on, I want to err on grace. I want grace to be the one thing that we mess up on. Because if we mess up on grace, no one will ever be able to say, gosh, that church was judgmental. Gosh, that church was harsh. People will say, you know what? That church was an encouragement to my soul. I didn't know that I could go to a service or go and experience Christ in a way in which I didn't feel judged. I I came. I don't want people to feel like if they show up once out of every three months or every six months, I don't want to give them, make them feel bad. Because everybody's at a different stage. 
But I want everybody to know, including people that haven't been here in years that are on our rolls, we just want to be an encouragement. We want to be an encouragement to you. Because Christ was a chief encourager. He didn't shy away from the truth. He didn't shy away of turning the religious people upside down in their understanding of who God and His kingdom was. But above all, Jesus pointed people to the amazing compassion of the Father. And the reality was that God was a good, good Father. And He wanted us to experience what life could be. So I'm going to encourage you today in our invitation. Our minds need to be the same as Christ Jesus. We need to serve others. We need to be an encouragement Because the reality is today, if we were to make a list about this or that, it is much easier, it is much easier to be negative than it is to be positive. God did not make it easy. God made it right. God did what was good. Being good, being a follower of Jesus, embodying Christ, encouraging others, does not Come natural. If it did, then last night when Roto-Rooter was going so slow, I said, oh, I praise the Lord for you. Thank you so much for slowing me down. Life is hard and life is real. At First Baptist Church, we are real people serving a real God who experience real problems. But we really, really want to be an encouragement to you. We want to lean in and know Christ and we want to make him known. So this week as you go up on behalf of your week, school, home, work, wherever you find yourself, be an encouragement to people. Serve others. Seek others' benefit rather than looking after yourself. God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Our job is to speak his truth his compassion, his grace, and be an encouragement to each other. I promise you if 300 people would be an encouragement in this community, if we would just give up on the negativity and be an encouragement, it is amazing what could happen. How do I know that? Look at what's already happened here. The whole dynamics of this place have changed. Why? Because some people decided to be an encourager rather than a disillusioned cynic. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your grace. Lord, we thank you for First Baptist Church. We thank you for people here. We thank you for visitors. Father, we always want to be an encouragement because you've encouraged so many of us to accept your son, Jesus Christ. You have poked around in our lives and you have helped us experience the fact that we can rise above the clouds, we can rise above the storms and we can always feel the warmth of your son Jesus Christ no matter what we experience, no matter what we're going through. Thank you God for giving us perspective. Thank you for giving and being an encouragement to our souls. Thank you for creating in us a new heart and renewing a steadfast spirit within us. Lord, we can never thank you enough for how you have blessed our lives. But Lord, what we can do to show our gratitude and our appreciation is to live a life 
full of Jesus, encouraging people as the Apostle Paul encouraged the church in Philippi to put other people's needs above our own, to empty ourselves in order to be filled by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to have you, dear Lord, change lives for the better. Lord, in this invitation, as we seek you, as your Holy Spirit has spoken, may we answer the call. Softly and tenderly, you speak. May we hear and may we respond. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you're here this morning, this invitation is open to you. If you need to recommit your life to Christ, if you feel convicted today and you say, you know what, I, I like Todd have bombed. I have not always been an encouragement. And today God is saying, you know what, you need to let go of this negative. You need to let go of this discouragement. You need to have your life defined by the encouragement of the gospel. This is the invitation. If some of you are here today and you say, yeah, I would love to know. I would love to know what it is to be a part of First Baptist Church on a more personal level. I want to be engaged. I want to become a member. We would love to have you to become a part of our family. We want to encourage you to answer and to follow through with whatever God's leading. As we stand, as we respond, and as we sing, won't you come?